less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor interview. Martin, when is a time that you really needed insurance? Not health insurance, but like when when's a moment where you're like, man, I'm glad I had insurance? Well, the biggest moment really wasn't for me. It was for one of my clients. And mm. uh, this isn't in the joyful bantering part, but <laughs> I have a client uh, a few months ago who had an employee going to a job in a company truck. He got to take the truck home, but he had a fatality accident. And uh, it wow. was, uh, I mean, besides the fact that it was terrible tragedy, but uh, he hadn't paid a whole lot of attention to his insurance and there were some snafus. It worked out all right, but uh, he wouldn't, wouldn't be in business. There's, there's absolutely no doubt. So I've been pretty fortunate. The only thing is I get new roof every now and then. I, <laughs> I've, I've added up the number of roofs I've had and totaled up what they would have cost and then kind of make an estimate of the total premiums that I've paid since I've been a homeowner since, which started in 1978. And I think we're about even. <laughs> our, our guest is not smiling. <laughs> That's how it and, works out. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's yeah, great. It's just like wow. I've never even I've never even thought to calculate something like that. So maybe I'll have to do that too. Well, you mentioned our guest Brian. Welcome to the podcast. How are you, man? Doing great, guys. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, glad to have you on. Glad to have you on. You know, we're doing this advisor mentor series. We've decided to bring you on as our insurance advisor, and not health insurance, but more so business insurance, uh, auto insurance, those varieties. Uh, so excited to have you on and talk today. As you talk with business owners, Brian, how do you introduce yourself? Who are you to a business owner? Well, our goal is to be a trusted advisor um, with open lines of communication. And that flows both ways, right? We, we I think most agents try to do their best, the best they can to help a business owner. Uh, it is important that we have all of the pertinent information to go on at the same time. So it's important that those lines of communication flow both ways. And, and we have kind of everything we need to go on to set up a plan that will protect them in the event of an example like Martin just mentioned. Um, but yeah, we, we tell the truth. Uh, we just, try to be honest with our advice and perspective and, and realistic, frankly, um, and try to caution them against some of those potentially really dark financial days that, that, that don't have to happen so long as they have a few little tweaks to maybe their current insurance plan or just add on an endorsement here and there that can, uh, kind of to Martin's point, can be a literal business lifesaver in the end. You know, I, I thought of another example, Brian, I actually had called you, but a year ago or maybe two years ago, we had an ice storm. And so my wife has a, a pediatric clinic and me being a good husband, I went over and scraped all I could. And then I went and bought sand and threw sand out trying to prevent slips and falls. Well, after it thawed, I guess I bought the wrong kind of sand. There's evidently round sand, right? And 
uh, my wife went outside and there was a lady standing there taking pictures. And she said her daughter, there was a grandmother and a mother and a child and the mother had slipped and fall fell. And so she was out taking pictures and you bought the wrong kind of sand. And, and so nothing came of that, fortunately, but that was a real gulp moment. And, uh, having found out from Brian that we were covered on that. So I relaxed a little bit. Fortunately, nothing happened, but boy, that was a, that was one of those deals like where, what's this all about? No doubt. And that, this may sound odd, but in some ways we as agents are glad those things happen to you. <laughs> so when you get these, when you get these moments of kind of, oh no, what could have happened? What would have happened without something actually happening? You know, then it, then it opens business owners eyes to, to kind of the value in, and I encourage our clients, especially the business owners to kind of treat us like their accountants, you know, meet with us once or twice a year, just check in points. Um, did you buy a $50,000 piece of equipment that you forgot to tell us about? Or did you open a second location that you forgot to mention to us? You know, just little t touch points along the way. So we and they ensure that we don't miss anything that, that could, that could create a a hole that is not fillable because we didn't we didn't have the proper coverages in right. place or add the second location, et cetera. So, yeah. yeah, I think Diane and I called you something that day. I don't recall <laughs> what it was. <laughs> well, I'm advising yeah. our listeners too that there are different kinds of sand, and don't don't <laughs> throw the round kind down on your parking lot because it's slippery. I guess, but uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know who would. Hey, they don't get that with every business case, you know. So. <laughs> That's great. So, so, Brian, what are what are general? Oh, we'll go ahead, Khalil. No, but basically, what I was going to say, you know, let's just act like I'm a new business owner or I may be an existing business owner and haven't paid any attention to, you know, a great insurance agent that could be my advisor. What are the things that I need to worry about? Let's. I'm a contractor specifically. I'm aware of like workers' comp and things like that. But what are all of the things that I need to be aware of as far as insurance? Yeah, and that will. That'll be a little business specific, right. right? Depending on the type of business you operate and so forth. But some of the some of the bigger triggers we look for, you know, I mentioned these kind of trying to keep trying to keep people out of these potentially large financial damaging holes, right? And one of those is the proper liability coverage. Um, and it's important to think about do I have a retail space and or do I perform on job sites away from my office or my retail space? Because the liability can operate a little bit differently. If you for a salon owner, let's say, you know, they don't need liability coverage that will follow them to a job site, right? right? Most often. But if if I'm a if I own a cabinet shop, and I have a retail space where clients can come in and look at the cabinets I'm selling them, but I also install those in their homes or businesses, then we wanna make sure the liability is set up in a way that protects the client from walking into my retail space, slipping and falling and getting hurt. And we also wanna make sure that if the header I installed in their bathroom falls off and 
destroys a $10,000 vase and I also covered for that. Um, so that's one of the larger pitfalls. And then just talking through their bigger ticket equipment pieces. And again, which of those stay on site, which of those travel to a job site. Um, and then some of the things you all mentioned around the employee piece, how many employees, what are their duties? Uh, is the workers comp set up in a way that's suitable? Um, so I, I like to visit them at their, at their business uh, is ideal that way. If we don't happen to communicate about a, a certain detail, then hopefully when we're there touring, we'll pick up on it and be able to give them some more specific advice based on their situation. Yeah. You mentioned endorsements earlier, Brian. What, what are endorsements in terms of coverage uh, and how do they make or break your policy? Sure. So a lot of times for business owners, we'll, we'll write what's called a business owner's policy or business owner's package. And so a good way to kind of get your brain around that is to think about your homeowner's policy, right? There, we're covering the home, but there's a number of coverages that are packaged in with that policy, right? Contents and liability and so forth. Well, a business owner's policy works in a similar way that it has the primary thing we're covering, whether it's whether they own the building or not, you know, we can ensure the structure and or the contents. Uh, if they're a tenant, they would obviously just want protection for their business personal property is what we call it. Um, but then beyond that, what other types of coverages make sense for them to have in place? Some of those are available by endorsement on the business owner's policy. Um, do they want protection against earthquake losses and a number of other things that have to pertain to the building or the structure? Uh, or if they allow their employees to, to drive company vehicles, then we're on to their auto insurance policy and we can add an endorsement that allows their employees to drive a vehicle owned by the company and be properly protected from a liability perspective, similar to the example Martin gave earlier. You know, that's a specific one because it's come up a number of times. Um, what if an employee drives their car for your business? That's a little different, isn't it? Well, it, it is and it's not. So it, it, there's endorsements to protect against both. Um, the, the first example I gave would be more about, do we have the appropriate people rated on the auto insurance policy? You know, do we have the employees that drive the company vehicles rated on that specific policy? So if they're driving it on a routine basis, we want them to be rated as a driver so that they'll get the full benefits of that policy. Okay. Uh, the one you mentioned where an employee might be driving their own car, there's a separate endorsement that we can put on that covers that. And, and it's going to be, the languages will be a little different depending on carrier, but it's a, it's a, a non-owner auto liability endorsement is essentially what, what your business owner should be looking for. Um, and most of these things are inexpensive. It's just important to check the box 
to make right. sure it's on there. Could, because something like that's probably 70 bucks a year, right? you know, to have the liability protection in place for an employee operating for the business, but driving their own personal car. My, uh, my bringing that up though, is a lot of people, that's why we talk about advisors and mentors. They just assume, well, Hey, he's got insurance on his car. So he's driving it, he's got insurance, and that may or may not be, but probably not be sufficient if there's a, a big event. Right, and that, that's a good point, that that employee's liability insurance, assuming they have it, could be in play, but it's limited, right? They're, they most likely have a lower liability limit than what me as their agent and they as the business owner would be comfortable with. Um, and even, I mean, as the business owner, you want to control all that, right? You want to know where your exposures are, where your risks are, what your liability limits are, um, versus relying on an employee's personal car insurance policy. That's that's not the greatest right. approach. Yeah, definitely a lot of things to overlook there. What are some of the other things that you see business owners overlook when it comes to insurance uh, that they don't think about that are helpful? It's typically, you know, if they're an existing client, uh, I alluded to this a little bit earlier. It's, it's generally, did I tell you about this $300,000 building I bought nine months ago? You know, it's, it's those things that gotcha. that are, again, it's important for us to stay, to stay in contact mm -hmm. with, um, or have they gotten to the point to where it makes sense for them to protect against losing a key employee. And I mean, losing when I, when I say losing, I mean by death, if they have a, an employee that's critical to the day-to-day -day operation of that business and that employee uh, dies unexpectedly, then a really inexpensive way to protect against that is, is it's a life insurance. It's just your normal run of the mill life insurance policy, but we call it a key man plan because the company owns the policy, but it's on the employee. Uh, but the benefit goes to the business owner to what ultimately is buying them time, right? They, they can catch their breath, decide if they want to replace that employee or buys them time to train somebody to get them back up to the point of proficiency that that key employee was at. Yeah. And so Martin and I have had these conversations over the years that it's just a really underutilized tool that at the end of the day is pretty cheap um, to have a, we'll call it a half a million dollar bankroll on the side that, that we that the business could tap into if that employee were to pass away. And the same is true for business partners, right? So Khalil, if you and I open a plumbing company to borrow, you're the sales guy, I'm the operations guy, and we get four or five years down the road and we've had a lot of success. But if you were to pass away suddenly and I, I lose my entire sales department, um, that business is not likely to survive, right? If it's, if the entire 
selling piece of the company is on your shoulders alone, um, then that's a, that's a really hard thing for business owners to overcome. And so the same could be true. It, it's still key man life insurance, but the company could own one on each of us as partners. And again, buy us time, give us the resources to, to recover from that, from losing one of the partners. Other than uh, liability, autom automobile, what are some other categories of insurance? I mean, key man, uh, liability, property, which would be the building and the equipment. I guess equipment is called marine as opposed to real estate, something like that. Yeah, it can be. You, we call it scheduling equipment. Uh, in, it's a funky name. Inland Marine in, yeah. is the type of policy uh, that you'll see, and that's from the cargo days from 200 years ago when they came up with that. That I mentioned earlier, if the equipment leaves the, the, the business premises to go to a job site, then coverages change, right? And so in that case, if we have a $40,000 piece of equipment that travels to job sites or a back, you know, a skid steer or something that we're taking to do work with, then it's important to have those scheduled um, is what we call it. And, and it, it'd be all in a policy like the Inland Marine you mentioned to where it's essentially got its own insurance policy like a car or truck would. Um, and it's covered anywhere that I take it as the business owner to use. Um, so that's, that's another, uh, okay, probably kind of an assumption business owners make is like, well, I've got this business owner's policy and I see this contents coverage on here. Um, but that's not ideal if that equipment is leaving the, the, where it sleeps overnight, right? Where it stays at the company overnight. If it's going to job sites, it's far better protected by having it with its own little insurance policy. So we have that conversation to sure they're cover that. Well. Yeah, Martin, we've talked in the past about um, business interruption insurance and you've had a yeah. client that's, or maybe a couple of clients that have had to deal with that. Two. Yeah. Uh, what are those stories really quick? Um, and then we can talk about business interruption insurance, Brian. Well, we tried to get COVID. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. That didn't work. Now that a lot of people did try though. Right, Brian. Uh, but I had, I've had two clients over the years. Uh, one had a fire and, uh, it didn't destroy everything, but it destroyed his ability to work at his location. And he had to move his whole operations. And that wound up costing a lot of money. Uh, the second one had a theft. Uh, they broke in, stole computers, bunch of tools, vehicles from a manufacturing facility. Both of them had uh, business interruption insurance. One of them, one of them probably would have survived with the manufacturer. Would probably would have survived anyway. Uh, the other one would not have. I mean, I have no doubt. Um, both of them, well, I should say neither of them even knew they had it. Their agent had just stuck a policy or a addendum or a, an endorsement, I guess, whatever the word is, and uh, didn't cost very much money. Uh, and they had business interruption insurance, and one was uh, wound up providing hundreds of thousands of dollars, and the other one maybe 50, something like that. But uh, real significant in one and probably terminal in the other. So you want to 
is that a normal thing to have business interruption or do people need to ask for it or it's it's relatively standard in one of those business owners packaged policies i mentioned so it's it's most likely going to be included in that um, there are some other types of commercial policies that are set up uh, kind of a la carte is a way to think about it we, we, we put in the building, we put in the business personal property, we put in the business interruption if they want it or not, you know what I mean? So it's just important to know that the agent that they're working with has accounted for that. Um, you know, and, and to be fair, some business owners would choose not to carry that, right? Like, like you and I, Martin, we could, there wouldn't be a whole lot of interruption to my business if my building burned down, right? I can I can work from home, I can meet clients at a coffee shop. Um, but there would be massive interruptions to my tenant's business who is a has a hair salon in my building. So they if the building burned down, they would be in dire straits, scrambling to find a new place, etc. And so it's important that it be there, and most oftentimes it's going to be packaged into that business owner's policy. Um, but again, it's important to have those those routine, annual, if not more often, reviews with their agent to make sure that all that's in place and that they that they understand it. You know, we try to we try to give people an understanding. We want them to know what they're paying for, right, and to know that that. To, to have an understanding of what they have, but when several months go by, you know, they tend to, and we're all this way, we would, we would lose track of what we do and don't have and what is, it isn't covered. Um, but no, that's a, that's one of those potentially really damaging financial pieces of running a business is, is that business interruption part. If they're a retail store, you know, and it, one day they're open and the next day they can't be open because of a fire. And then, then that's a, that's a really important piece. Yeah. Hey, I, uh, this just occurred to me. <laughs> I have no idea. I didn't prepare you for it, but what about if you get ransomware and hacked? Are, are there insurance products for that? There is, there's, um, oh, you'll hear a cyber liability, mm -hmm. you know, is, 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 a, is kind of a standalone policy. Um, and there's a number, I guess that's a good time for me to address. There's a number of coverages or policies or endorsements that are important to certain types of business, right? Cyber liability would be one of those. Um, if they keep a, a lot of critical um, personal data on their clients, right? And their systems. Norman Public Schools is dealing with that. Yeah, right now. for listeners, the the town that both Brian, Martin and myself live in here in Oklahoma was uh, the public school system had a huge cyber attack with ransomware that if they all the kids are on laptops now. Um, and then if they take that laptop home and connect to their home Wi Fi, then it gets onto everything that's connected to their home Wi Fi. So it was a huge mess. Yeah, no doubt. So they're going, they're going 80 style right now with just pens and papers and books. <laughs> um, so that is, that's one kind of standalone policy to think about. Um, 
Another one is employment practices, liability insurance, and that's when you're getting into the wrongful termination kind of arena of coverages. Uh, that's a concern for business owners that have a large number of employees or maybe even not a large number. They just have a concern or have a, a skeleton over some experience with employee where they want protection against that. Um, so those are a few of the kind of ancillary policies that, that could make sense depending on the type of So, business. Brian, what happens, you know, let's say that I have the cybersecurity policy um, cyber liability policy, whatever you called it. And that also interrupts my business. Where does it, does it touch on both of those things? Uh, do I get coverage for both of them? Uh, or does one only apply? How does that work? Yeah, that's going to be kind of specific to the design of the policy, but I could see circumstances where there could be, yeah, more than one policy, more than one coverage. Okay. Involved, gotcha. Depending on the circumstances, type of loss, et cetera. Um, another, another type of coverage is important to address. I think, um, you'll hear it referred to a few different ways, but errors and omissions, uh, or professional liability, um, a really, a really basic example that'll make sense to people is medical malpractice, right? If my surgeon operates on the wrong leg, uh, that medical malpractice, but that, that all kind of falls into that that bucket of professional liability um, for people like me, uh, accountants, financial planners, et cetera. We have errors and omissions policies to protect our business. If I, if I make a mistake and uh, like an honest mistake and don't have the right coverages on, or we forgot to add a vehicle, they emailed us to add, um, that's the omissions part. Um, I'm sorry, that's the errors part. Omissions would be if I lied to them about something and they suffer damages because of it. Um, so those are, again, really important coverages to have that, you know, it's, it's forced on people like me through our carrier, but there's going to be some others that, you know, maybe a, a therapy clinic wouldn't necessarily think about errors and omissions or, uh, or somebody that owns a gym may not think about, you know, I gave them this exercise to do and they blew a disc. Right. Um, so those are, those are kind of, again, they're ancillary, but you know, it's, um, they're not so ancillary if you're getting sued for seller under grand. Right. So it's, those can be really important pieces to add uh, again, depending on the type of business and what their exposures are. Now, I think most of our, Listeners are familiar with the term at least, but maybe not the details of workman's comp. Uh, do you provide, do you sell workman's comp? I know a lot of times there are state agencies that wind up getting a lot of the workers comp business. I, I don't really know why. I guess it's because they're too risky for a private care. I, I don't know. How, how does workman's comp work? Yeah, you, uh, well, it, it, it's funny. It's actually workers compensation, okay. uh, but that's, that's we Okies anyway, and maybe other states call it workmen's comp. So that's, just, that's a common, common, um, it's just a semantics deal. But so workers compensation, as you mentioned, Martin, especially in our state, Oklahoma, it's, we can place it through a broker, 
which we do from time to time. Um, but these state pools that you mentioned, these kind of state run plans are generally a better deal for people. Um, the, the pricing, if, if the state pool has what we call an appetite, meaning if, if, if the state pool will write their type of business, it's generally at a better premium because they have a larger pool of clients to draw from and spread the, spread the, uh, the loss potential around. Um, but yeah, we do, we do some of that and, and that's, again, if you've got 50 employees, it's going to be something you definitely have in place. If you've got three employees, it can get overlooked pretty easily. Tell you the other place it gets overlooked and I know contractors and manufacturers, our audience or a large part of our audience is your 1099 guys that are working for you that subcontractor that's working for you uh, they have to have workers comp or what generally brian if they don't well that's yeah let me start with that's probably not my question to answer but uh, that's more of a we're getting into the legal arena on some level but it's tricky man i've had conversations with people at the state level about what does it mean to be a 1099 right and that's a pretty hard definition to meet. Um, meaning I can't tell them when to show up. They can't have on my company shirts. I mean, there's all these little things that come into play with, uh, am I a 1099 in actuality versus on paper? Right. And that, that's, again, that's not my area, but I've just had these interesting conversations with people at the state level about that. Um, and you, there, there's waivers that you can have people sign around there. Um, I don't want to hold myself out as a workers' comp expert, but there are there's a number of things to pay attention to depending upon how your business is designed, how you treat employees or 1099s, et cetera, and, and your exposure, right? I mean, we're all supposed to have workers' compensation as business owners, but it's not... It's not exactly been forced heavily, at least not to my knowledge. Well, the only thing I can say in passing, most of my clients who've had issues around uh, workers' compensation and whether or not a subcontractor is a 1099 or even an LLC or something, they lose. <laughs> if, if they don't have a certificate showing that that, per, that that 1099, not employee, but worker, or the company, even if it's a small company, if they don't have workers comp, my clients always wind up paying it. <laughs> That's so, so that without yeah. either of us being an attorney, it's always get the certificate. And the best time to get the certificate uh, is before you hand them their check. <laughs> Do an exchange. Well, it is, it's, as you and I have discussed before, there's, there's no experience quite like experience, right? right? Especially the bad expensive kind. And so, we tend to learn those hard lessons when you're, when you're faced with something like that. But I'll say this, that it's another conversation you and I've had a lot, Martin, is that it's important to have your team intact, right? For me, an agent that you trust and know, frankly, and can, and can reach when you need to, um, an accountant, an attorney, uh, a business or life coach like yourself, you know, if you run a business, you, that it's important to have those people 
kind of on your side that are accessible that you have a strong relationship with that if there is some kind of darkness that falls upon your business whether it's claim related or legal related you you know who to call under right. the trust right yeah so i want to talk about something that might be a mistake that people make and that they don't understand but let's talk about the policy limits and the coverage uh, how much they're going to receive if they you know get into that accident what is the right amount for coverage on a policy for a business owner? How should they go about calculating something like that? And you know, should they be looking just to lower their monthly price uh, on their premium um, to save some money in, on the coverage or to lower the, the coverage amount? Uh, I think we're, we're probably talking about like liability mm -hmm. exposures most likely. Like, okay. And contents, building contents and replacement value of a building that burns down or, you know, how do you? Yeah. Gotcha. So I'll start with the, the liability exposures. Um, I'm a proponent of having as much in place as reasonably possible. And, and what I mean by that is depending on the type of business, there's going to be certain limits within their general liability policy that, that they can get through the carrier they're working with. Okay, so the per occurrence limit. So if somebody walks into my agency and they slip and fall and get hurt, how much liability do I have in place for that specific occurrence, right? That event. And then for a contractor, what is my aggregate limit? And, and that's, a, that's a separate limit from the occurrence limit. And that means what is my total liability coverage for the policy period, the policy term for that year, right? And also with carriers, there's going to be a maximum on the per occurrence limit and a maximum on the aggregate limit. It's, and typically that's suitable, that's fine. You're talking about a $1 million occurrence, $2 million aggregate, or a $2 million occurrence, $4 million aggregate. And it's worth the conversation with the business owner to look at what their exposures are. Uh, you know, my exposures for liability are far less than if I run a manufacturing facility, right? Uh, from a lot of different ways. Then, so that's the conversation on the front end is kind of what makes sense, what's suitable for the business owner. And if they're a contractor, like a lot of your clients, Martin, a lot of times they move those limits because somebody's making them do it. You know, if they want to put a bid in on this particular job, if they want to secure this certain bid, then instead of two million, they have to have four million. And that's when you get into the potential for if my current policy as a business owner, if I can't go to those limits with that carrier, then maybe I look into getting a commercial umbrella. Uh, those are kind of rare circumstances, but it usually makes sense just to increase the limits within your current general liability policy because most of the time we can get to the level that, that is A, suitable, and B, satisfies whoever you're trying to secure the job from. Um, and again, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but making sure that my liability is appropriate for my type of business. So I can have premises liability that covers me at my cabinet shop, 
but I need general liability that will follow me to the job site and protect me in case I, the work I've done does some other damage to that home, to that property. And then from the building ownership piece, if they want replacement cost coverage, we call it. And what that means is, do I want coverage in effect that will rebuild my building with new construction in a similar way that it's currently constructed? Then we have a software system we put in the details of the building and it spits out a number that's close in the current market to what it would take to, to rebuild that structure. Uh, and again, those things are worth reviewing each year and, and most carriers have what they call roll-ups where if my building was insured for 300,000 last year, my renewal this year may be insured for 325,000, right? Because the cost of construction well, lately has gone way up, but traditionally, you know, kind of with the cost of living, it'll, it'll flood up a few percent each year. So most carriers will, if you're on a replacement cost policy, they'll keep up with that. The, the alternative to that is if I get a smoke and deal on my building, then I may not as a business owner, a building owner want to pay the premiums for replacement costs, right? So this $300,000 replacement cost building. Maybe I paid 120,000 for that building. So I only want to insure it for that 120,000. And that's usually fine, but the maintenance piece is keeping up with the increasing value of that building. Or did I dump 75 grand into rehabbing it? Right? So those are the kind of checkpoints annually or sooner if they've done some kind of major rehab. Um, and then the contents piece, the, the, the business personal property, it's, well, whatever you tell me, I mean, you know more about what you spent on your stuff than I do. Um, so we, we generally just kind of rely on the, the business owner. Uh, you know, most of us know what we dropped on desks and computers and equipment and so forth. Yeah. I wonder if the number that we tell you is the same number we tell the County for the, uh, personal property tax. <laughs> That's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not reporting to anybody. So, so <clears throat> What what I kind of hope that we do today is is talk about there's a whole lot of insurance, uh, a whole lot of options, a lot of different things you can cover that make sense. Um, and the point I make to all my clients is you're not likely to know very much about it. Uh, case in point, if you look at your limits on your car insurance, you go, well, that's uh, $600,000. That's a lot of money. Well, not for the fatality accident that one of my clients employees had that's not very much money um, so you have to have in my opinion of an advisor who can walk you through tell you about the options and at least give you the information to make a decision do I want E&O do I want key man life insurance don't want an employee dri driving their own car kind of endorsement um, one, one thing you mentioned too is that you should meet on a regular basis. And I'll ask you what that ought to be. But th the reason I know that's so true is I'm trying to leave documents so that if I were to pass, my wife could find out my bank accounts and my advisors and the passwords to my property and where this, where these documents are. And I do that. And then I look at it six months later and half of it is changed. <laughs> it's going, trying to keep that current. And I don't know that insurance changed that fast, but what's an appropriate uh, 
interval that you actually have, you know, spend the time and have a review with your insurance provider. I would say annually is pretty suitable. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's nice to kind of time it around the renewals um, to see what has changed, what needs to be changed, what tweaks do we need to make? Um, have they acquired new equipment, you know, change the dynamics of their business where did they, did they, oh, did they begin as a plumbing company, but now they're doing plumbing and heating and air, you know, little triggers like that to, to discuss each year. So I'd say on average annually is pretty suitable. If there's a lot of moving parts, it might need to be more often, but, but typically once a year is, is pretty good. Do most of your business clients actually do that? Uh, no, <laughs> no, no. Um, I mean, we, but a lot of them, you know, a few of them were communicating weekly, right? So it's, it's not necessary if we're, if we have ongoing communication, right? But if, if, if you kind of set it, forget it for a year, then, you know, to your point, you may have understood what all those limits and coverages endorsements meant when we set it all up but a few months go by and it's gonna poof be gone and yeah um, so it's worth kind of revisiting that from time to time to to make sure they have a at least a decent understanding of what they do and don't have yeah well if i'm in oklahoma i should reach out to brian mcpherson for any in, anything insurance related if i don't have an agent currently but let's say i'm in another state um up in new york what are the things that I should be checking for in a insurance advisor? What are some of the questions I should ask some maybe behaviors or uh, things that I should look for whenever I'm trying to choose the right fit for me? Yeah. Good question. I, one of the number one complaints I hear, uh, we've acquired a lot of clients over the years because they just can't get a callback. Um, or, or they, they, there's been a communication disconnect or they're being told something that just kind of it smells in their opinion, you know? Um, so it, the relationship part, I mentioned having your team around you. It's just somebody that you know you can reach, you know you can trust, they're accessible. And if they don't know the answer, then they're gonna do some digging and find it versus and we, and that's one reason I said earlier to have that, that open back and forth two-way communication is I've got a lot of clients that have said to me, oh, I, I know you're going to take care of me. And I'm like, yes, we are doing our best, but if there's things I don't know, I can't take care of those. Right. And so, um, just to know that the people you're working with are going to do their best to set you up in a suitable way that is based on your needs and not theirs, essentially. Um, and then experience plays into that. You know, I've been an agent a long time, so I can say, look for an experienced agent. Um, but even somebody that's been around a couple of years, if they've got a background in insurance or um, if they've got other work history that kind of speaks to their level of competence, that's fine too, because we can, we can research these things enough. We have underwriters at our disposal and, and 
other information we can look into to because there i mean there's admittedly things that come up oh probably once or twice a month that i've never been asked or we've never approached or they're operating a business that we just haven't been exposed to or that it's a it's maybe it's brand new you know um these these the marijuana piece has been you know eye-opening for our industry the last couple of years so it's just having an advisor on your side that that's going to do the necessary research to to set you up in a suitable way um that that is sufficient in coverage but not to the point to where it's 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 crippling you from a premium perspective yeah i uh i'm i'm sure you can buy quality insurance on the internet i mean i i i gotta speak against it but but for me anyway i want a personal relationship with somebody and if i call i want to talk to one of two or three people again and again over the years maybe maybe just one not somebody new every time not saying it can't be done but that's my preference i, I couldn't agree more and i'm i mean I'm, I'm i'm biased for full disclosure i have a local agency and local claims people um and it, i i just i can't imagine being a business owner and calling a 1-800 number and getting a different cubicle every time and having to retell my story and in all fairness it, the, the model may work <laughs> i mean they just it just no, no, no i know some big companies uh used to have agencies here i actually started with them 30 years ago and they don't have there's nobody here anymore uh, not even an office that i know of you have to call an 800 number and that that just isn't for me, but it could it could work, I guess. Yeah, I, I think the real the real issue with the internet side of it is that you're still you're relying on yourself still. And as a business owner, the whole reason why we're doing this series is to help you get out of being responsible for everything, one hundred percent of the time. If you can have someone that you trust that you know is going to take care of it, that you can delegate the responsibility to them and you're just able to make decisions, that's where you want to be. Uh, and you just buying it online, sure, you might get a cheap rate, you might be able to get it really fast, but you're going to miss things. You're not going to get everything covered. You're not going to remember where your login is for it and how to get it done. It's so much easier when you just have a, a person you call and pick up the phone. So that's definitely what we're looking for. I agree. That's an obvious statement. Obvious statement number six on the day. I, I agree. <laughs> I have to tell you an experience I had in Nebraska. There were uh, I was at the insurance agency, and there were two farmers in there, and they both had checks. And one guy looked at the first guy and said, what you get a check for? He said, I had a fire. I had a loss from a fire. And he goes, wow. He goes, what happened to you? He says, uh, I had a flood. The fire guy goes, well, I got 100000 How much you get? He said, I got 300000 first guy goes, how do you start a flood? <laughs> we can always cut that. No, that's good. I love that. That's good. Well, Brian, this has been so great. I really appreciate having you on. Thanks for your time and your, your knowledge. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, phone or email is probably the most efficient way. We're in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, 405-364-9025. Uh, my email is... First initial, last name, so B McPherson at shelterinsurance.com. Excellent. We'll have that in the show notes for listeners. Man, thank you for your time, Brian. Hope to see you around soon, man, and 
yeah, listeners, go check them out if you need help with your insurance. Of course, guys. It's uh, It's been an honor, man. I appreciate both yeah. of you a lot. Yeah, thank of course. you, sir. Okay, take care. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.